Welcome to Season 2 of the Bow and Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Reed. Here we're talking the buzz on all things Bowen therapy. For therapists, clients, educators or anyone interested in the soft tissue industry. The show where we get to meet interesting Bowen practitioners, trainers and where we also hear from experts sharing their secrets to assist us to grow in our businesses and grow in our lives. Welcome to this episode of The Bow and Buzz. Today we get to meet Pam Murphy. Pam is a naturopath and also a remedial massage therapist. Yeah. Welcome, Pam. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for having me. I'm really delighted to have you in, Pam, because I wanted to talk to a naturopath around mm-hmm. the area of, um, and what where bone therapy and naturopathy perhaps over, overlap or can certainly complement each other. Yeah, sure. Great. Yeah. So, um, First of all, can we ask a bit about you though? So, um, how did you get into naturopathy? I've always been interested in naturopathy, uh, and particularly with align well with the theories of first do no harm, and using the healing powers of nature. So, the healing powers of nature enables us to um, work well with the body without uh, and complementing other therapies along the way so that uh, sits well with my alignment yeah. and was that your first like did you study naturopathy straight out of school or? no no I didn't study naturopathy until late in life so it was probably after the children were well off our hands so to speak and I decided to do something that it had been part of my passion bringing up the girls as a, a mum of two girls and um, yeah, certainly living off the land as much as possible goes with my ethos as well. Oh, okay. So yeah. were you from a farm? Yes, yeah, farming background. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you had the girls and they were young, did you visit a naturopath? No. No, we didn't have exposure to a naturopath. Um, living particularly in my own childhood, we didn't have any luxuries. The nearest hospital was a good half an hour away at best and particularly in an emergency, so it was like do with do the best with what you had. Okay. And uh, a lot of that reverted back to healthy living and promoting a healthy lifestyle, etc. So. Right. so so hang on, so what's the story? So you've you've got two girls and they they've grown. Yes. Okay. They've grown. And then how did you how did you choose naturopathy? Um it, that's an interesting question. It it was probably just following my passion where I wanted to be. That was, um, I had to do a four-year degree in that respect and then um, followed it up with my extra um, continued learning after that. Mm. So, was that a yeah. big step for you to go back to it university? Was. or where, where did you study? <laughs> Absolutely. I started in Adelaide and then finished with Endeavour Health in, um, sorry, Endeavour College in Melbourne. Right, so, so a four-year degree. So return mm-hmm. to study as a mature-age student. As a mature-age student with all the other babies around me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Okay, but you enjoyed that. Did you enjoy the I study? I did. I love a challenge, yeah. love a challenge and um, my thirst for learning and growing is... Um, been lifelong so it just okay. continues yeah right so naturopathy tell us what what does it encompass it encompasses lots of different modalities so we can work very very closely with diet and lifestyle to influence the outcomes of some people's health and get them back on track um if need be and i, I stress probably if need be we work with supplements and have the um 
the benefits that they provide, which is usually done in a state of crisis. So, and it's something that I look at as not being long term. My ethos is to to be able to promote health to a state where you don't need those as being a permanent part of your life. Um, we also work with herbal tonics, so I'm herbal, Western herbal medicine trained along with that degree and that allows us uh, another option for our, our uh, clients. So, yeah. And some naturopaths do iridology, it's another yeah. area, do you use that at all? Yeah, certainly do. So um, the theory that the eyes are the windows to the soul comes very strong, yeah, very strong and we use that as a, uh, a clinical tool just to help with um, assessment it doesn't and I have to stress it doesn't lay out a plan of what you've predisposed it's only an indication of what you might be predisposed to okay because sometimes um, dysfunction can show up in those areas prior to it being evident in, in the external part of the body so. oh okay yeah. so it's it's really quite broad isn't it so very. do you and do you have a do you have a focus? Do you have a real passionate area of naturopathy yourself? Yeah, I suppose my passion is probably based around um, gut health, but I love working with families. So a lot of my work is based around children and um, particularly having the um, submodality of uh, remedial massage I'm really interested in how the body functions and making sure that that is optimized so that people can get the most out of their health that way mm. it might be just as simple as making sure their posture is aligned which yeah is certainly beneficial flow alignment function everything that we see in our everyday world oh, okay mm. and so you mentioned gut health before, and that's an mm. area of a passion of yours. Yeah, yeah, it is. What's the, and it is really in the, I suppose, in the media, in the, in the natural health media anyway, is, is yes. we're hearing a lot more about the natural flora mm. uh, and how that could be affected by modern medications. Yes, um, yeah, and very perhaps, much And so. perhaps maybe not even so modern medications either. So, mm. so um What's what's the latest that you what's something that you really perhaps read recently or that the latest thing you're hearing about about gut medicine? Yeah, the the gut function um, is so influential on all our body systems. So one of the emerging side of um, research and now in its effect that it has on the immune system with over seventy percent of our immune system being um, based in the gut. If your gut is not working optimal, optimally, um, yeah, that certainly falls over. So there's other areas that they're doing research now into the, the endocrine system, what they call the HPA axis, which relates back to um, gut function. Can you give us a bit more information? HPA stands for? Hyperpituitary adrenal function. There you go. I'm going to pop that in the show notes so people can look it up. <laughs> yeah, also, it's the link with the brain. So brain function is optimally um, connected to gut health as well and how it can influence it. Um, a lot of my work that I do based around little children is um, based in the gut. So when we talk about gut, are we talking mm. about 
stomach, uh, small intestine, large intestine, or the whole lot? Or the are, they, lot. are they different? And then do they become sub-areas as well? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. So a lot of times the villi, um, if that's flattened, you don't absorb nutrients and therefore you're not getting the beneficial function out of your food that you, um, you're needing. So if that is flattened, it certainly impacts on the um, other parts of the body to utilise that those nutrients if they're missing that's when start when start when dysfunction starts to become obvious and what's the connection with the brain they talk about the the, the gut brain now don't they yes, we've, got, they we've, do. got, we've got two brains almost so yes. so what's this gut brain where's that come from yeah it influences um predominantly the uptake of nutrients so if like I said before, if those nutrients are missing, then that starts to affect um, our ability to to think and, you know, could be an auditory issue, it could be in um, a development delay, yeah. So that's really talk about children in that yeah, regard. in that re- regard is very obvious in children, um, can present as behavioural issues or... Um, yeah, just not settling at night and things like that. It can be quite subtle at times and mm. then other times it can lead to something that's very much more obvious and distressing for all all members of the family, really, because that child then feels as though um, they are impacting everyone. So, yeah. so they sort of wear that stress, mm. if you like. Very they? much so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I'm sure I read recently that there's some research pointing to the fact that young or babies that are unsettled as very young babies, mm. or whether it be colic or general, just yeah. un- can lead to some um, issues like behavioural issues down yeah. the track. Is that? Yeah, yeah, that's very strong. <clears throat> Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting area, isn't it? Because one of the is. things that we often well, Bowen seems to work incredibly well with with babies and, yes. and colic and unsettled babies. So if you can get them out of that state really quickly, then yes. perhaps you are lessening the 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 effect down the track for very potential uh, behavioural issues, yeah, um, or even um, sort of developmental issues further on. Mm. Which is really, and I th- actually, I'm trying to think. I must look up the research. I'm sure it was around mental illness too. Yeah. So, but there was a, there was a definite link yeah. uh, with that one. Yeah. Even to the value of the lack of sleep, if that um, is impacting that little babe, uh, it can be have a lot of impact on other areas of its growth and development too. Yes, I suppose if you think about it, there's so much going on in those mm. first few weeks, isn't there? Absolutely. The amount of growth and the amount of maturity of different cells yes. that are happening as soon as it's, it's born. It's all so rapid, all so rapid. So if there's so. anything that can impact on that, it may have yeah. an incredible impact further down mm. the chain. Not to mention the impact it has on mum and dad who right. <laughs> trying to cope with that as well. Exactly right. Yeah. As I often say to students, if, we, if, you, can, if you can help a, a colicky baby yes. and and resolve that really quickly and really gently and really easily. The the beneficial effect on the whole family is yes, amazing. You know, yeah. the, the stress just just, just goes just dissolves. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Happy days. Happy days. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so another area of naturopathy. Now, you often use a lot of um, a lot of tests. Yes, uh, we do. Perhaps. So, what are some of the areas that you sort of really? Um, I suppose some tests are done in house, but a lot, yes. but some of them you actually send out for as yeah. well. So, what are the, the common tests that you see? Um, some of the common tests that we would do, we are able to use most of the diagnostic testing 
that um, a lot of the labs will offer. So if we need further exploration um, and it's not being addressed by the local GP, we can work hand in hand with them. Um, otherwise, we would we can use hair testing, which is a non-invasive way of um, of addressing the client's issues. What can that sometimes show? Um, well, I use one that one from Sydney that um, has more um, impact on heavy metals, and it will assess mineral analysis and balance within the body. So that can be really helpful, um, particularly if someone's been exposed to heavy metals. So it gives direction as to what our um, protocols will follow after that. The other one is more based around food allergies and um, not so much an allergy as an intolerance or sensitivity. Mm. So these are subtle little things that might appear um, to just rejuvenate through the person's life and then they find that they've got um, issues with either gut motility is often one of the, the symptoms, signs and symptoms that we have um, that people present with or it might be skin um, elimination so it'll come out as acne or mm. it might be into the nasally, the sinus area where it seems to, to re- reveal itself. So by addressing those sort of um, sensitivities, we can then allow the body time and space to heal with a protocol that will um, allow them to just go along. And most of the time, it's just for about six months period um, that gives it time and space to heal. And then it's a process of simply reintroducing those foods. So it, the role of a naturopath there is to guide the person through that phase and ensuring that they're not missing out on any of those vital nutrients being replaced yeah, having being able to replace them with options right along that way because that is one of the things you see is that the people they may not be for example celiac but they'll certainly no. have a sensitivity to gluten perhaps yeah. that is that, and what is it I, I don't know if you've ever organized a conference or anything like that but if you put out these days what are your dietary requirements I mean, we had a conference in Cairns a couple of years ago um, that I was involved in organising, and the um, and I don't know whether it's because we were mostly natural medicine practitioners, yes. but the, the 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 chef that we met with before, who was organising at, at the big hotel, said he could not believe the number of people that come in with dietary specific dietary requirements, yes. or perhaps sense of um, sensitivities, or even yes. uh, flat out. Um, uh, allergies yes. to certain foods. He says, "What is it with you, natural medicine people? There's so, but why has there been such a? Do you think such a incredible rise in the number of people that are either allergic or sensitive to food yeah. groups that maybe back forty or fifty years ago it yeah. was unheard of? What's what's yeah. the reason for that? Do you think? I really feel as though there's a benefit to getting back eating real and eating fresh. Um, we're exposed to so much these days, whether it be external from you know, different toxins to what our food's prepared in and, and the plastics is another area of environmental um, toxic exposure that we're constantly exposing our body to. So it's just about pairing it back and getting back to the simple stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because we were recently over, um, and I'm sure my wife won't mind me saying this, but she has a, a gluten intolerance. Mm. So she, if she has a lot of bread or yeah. a croissant or yes. and maybe a pizza, or, and all that happens within the one week, and maybe a, a few slices of bread, she'll often get a bit 
uncomfortable, yeah. perhaps. Um, now we early in, uh, or late last year we went to France for a month. She ate bread, croissants, pastries every day. Yes. The, well, not every day, but she wrote an incredible amount more than she normally would hear. Mm. And she never had the sensitivity occur. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is it the way the food's grown these days, right back to where, the way they're planting it yeah. and perhaps even the pesticides they're using or the, the genetically modified grains that they don't allow in France yes. um, that we perhaps we are using out here that... Are causing some of these problems. Do you think totally that's... the way a lot of research is going? The people are, are looking more and more into the effects of what we're treating our food with before it gets to even to our table. So the effects that Roundup and things like that have had in the past, and we're now learning that that is not doing our bodies any good. Um, and certainly getting back to what sort of genii that is best best uh, grown for our, our bodies. Um, you, know, you were saying about the different strains of wheat, they have different strains over in, in those parts of, of the world rather than what we do here. So some of that genetically modified things, there's a lot of questions being asked mm. around that. Mm. Yeah. So it might be right down the track before we find yeah. out maybe it wasn't the best way to go. That's we can it. produce a lot more wheat, but maybe it wasn't the best yes. wheat that we could produce. Yes, that's right. Mm. That's yeah. interesting, isn't it? So from a... Um, if we sort of look at the role of a naturopath and maybe supporting a bone therapist, mm. what are some of the areas where you feel as a naturopath that you could certainly support, or it would be a great idea perhaps if, if a bone therapist had a relationship with a naturopath that they knew yes. uh, and could perhaps refer to? Yeah. Um, and obviously it will be a two-way street perhaps. There'll be some mm. areas where um, a naturopath could certainly refer some of their clients onto a bone therapist. Absolutely. So you, you, it's, I mean, I believe it would be a great idea for every bone therapist to have a naturopath that mm. they could... Uh, openly either have a conversation with perhaps yes. um, about a client um, confidentiality obviously mm. but um, so, so what are some of the, the real areas where you think a naturopath could work with a bone therapist in looking at the best overall health of their client? Yeah certainly around weight management is another um, area that we would both have um, see benefit for the client in in both those areas. Because that's one of, that's enormous isn't it they're saying it actually is. that this generation may live not at well may have a shorter life expectancy than um, mm. the, the one before it because uh, because of obesity as a as mm. an epidemic almost yeah so if we can get to a state where the client is comfortable with their weight um, control in that it often brings better results for the therapy that they're getting through Bowen and um, another area that would be beneficial is by allowing the body to process any sort of inflammation. So most of that has got to be um, synthesised or metabolised through the liver. And if that is able to be facilitated in a more uh, productive way, it certainly helps them in their recovery. If they're not having that source of inflammation throughout their body and able to eliminate it more efficiently, then it gets better results for your bone therapy as well. So that, that um, chronic inflammation is really something that we see, we're is. seeing more and more of, I suppose. Yes. Isn't it? And is that to do, once again, with diet and the amount of perhaps sugar yes, uh, yeah. that, that are in many diets? Yeah, it is. It, a lot of it is lifestyle-based. So it's this whole um, alkaline, acid-alkaline imbalance in yeah. diet, is that the...? Yeah, there's that too. And uh, part of it, you know, stress where we use up a lot of our methyl donators so quickly that we're not being able to use them productively within the body and metabolise things. 
Um, so then it's just self-perpetuating. It just b- builds more inflammation if you're not going to be able to metabolise your food and so forth as well as you could be. So using the food as well as you can, yes. then creating what not as much waste is that sort of what or, or better waste that the body's used to dealing with is that something that you easier ease of elimination right so you're not storing the um, elimination is not being stored and then becoming toxic and then setting up another whole chain of events that is unproductive for the client right okay another area in bone that we often talk about is hydration and Mm. that people are so often chronically dehydrated perhaps these days although most people walk around with a bottle of water but i don't know but and Mm. you know do you think we're more dehydrated these days than we used to be or is it because of what we're trying to metabolize or our diet or Mm. that certainly plays a big role in in um well the best results that you can get for your bone therapy as well but if the body is not utilising that water and, and certainly getting the water in the first place, making the clients aware of what is going to be better for their outcome is our number one thing. Mm. Yeah. Great. That's very good. So do you think this, um, what advice would you have for a bone therapist who perhaps doesn't have a naturopath they know? How would they go about selecting, I know, I'm, I'm sure, some naturopaths perhaps are better than others. I don't know. <laughs> but if you have a, do you have, is there, a, is there, a, else in Australia there would be um, associations and things yes, like that. Yeah. But, but how, how, do you, how do you go about finding a naturopath that you might um, be able to refer to? We're bound to be registered through um, an association, and the one that I'm registered through is Australian Naturopathic Therapists Association, ANTA. Um, and they have a list of practitioners uh, listed on their website, so it would be as simple as doing that. Some of the others are um, ATMS, yep. um, yeah, and they do similar. And internationally, I mean, naturopathy is obviously an international Yes, uh, it is. And yeah. curiously, I know um, the Chinese, um, traditional Chinese medicine mm. use a lot of herbs in that as well. Yes, they do. Do they have, is that, is that their form of naturopathy, or do they have... You know, do they have naturopathy as a standalone in, in China, do you know? Or is that... No, I don't think they do. I think it's more under the umbrella of um, the traditional Chinese, Chinese medicine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, look, thanks, Pam. It's been really enlightening to have a chat with you. And I think yeah. every bone therapist needs yes. a naturopath. Now, you're my naturopath that I Thank send you. people to. So <laughs> thanks very much for coming and having yeah. a chat with us today on the Bowen Buzz. Yeah, lovely. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to another episode of the Bowen Buzz podcast. If you'd like to ask a question or even suggest someone we could have on as a guest, please let us know by leaving a comment. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, that'd be great. That would help tell the world about the Bowen Buzz podcast and spread the word of Bowen therapy. This has been Chris Reed. Enjoy the buzz. Thank <laughs> you.